Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And welcome back to Mads World. I'm your host, Mads, and I hope you've been enjoying the show so far. If you have, it would mean loads to me if you could subscribe, rate, and review the podcast, or just share it with a mate. I've been thinking a lot about self-love recently and what this really means. Is it what marketing tells us, bath bombs and hair masks, or something more? Is self-love something that can be accomplished, or is it a constant life's work? Can we offer all of ourselves to a relationship while putting in this work as often as we require it? This week, I'm joined by my gorgeous friend, Catherine Miles, to talk about self-respect and self-love and how this works with, against, and side-by-side side to true love. Cat works at Spotify and is a podcast writing and dreaming enthusiast. She's one of the most resilient people I've ever known, and I'm delighted to have her join the podcast. Hello, Cathers. Hello. How are you? I'm so good, thank you. Oh, God. Do you know what? I have so many Aussie friends, and because we only do this to each other, I keep doing it to everyone else that's Aussie, and they're just like, don't know if you're genuinely taking the piss or if you're trying to be funny, and I'm like, I'm so sorry, and I just can't not do it. Oh, awful. oh God, I absolutely love it. So let's get into our speed date round okay. so everyone can get a bit of a a view on who Cathers Miles is. So I call you Cathers, <laughs> but that's not actually your name. Your name's Kat. So how did you and I first meet? I think that's a, a relevant question here. Yeah, we basically met through work, essentially. So, And I think you heard me saying something about hay fever. Oh, yeah, the, the bales of hay. I heard someone in England say, oh, I've got hay fever. And I was like, there's no hay in London. What's going on? Because I thought you actually had to smell hay to get hay fever. So since then we became oh friends. God. So Yeah, that's how we bonded. And then we went to that gig together, that festival, because do you remember you said, oh, I've got a spare ticket. And I was like, oh, yeah, we'll go. Oh, God, yeah. so long ago, but I'm so glad we did meet. Our next question is, how long have you been single? Oh, feels like a bloody lifetime, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember the last time I had a boyfriend, no. It's been about two years, mm-hmm. uh, which is quite a long time yeah I mean it's at the point where I've forgotten how to behave in a relationship I'm basically a spinster um right. but yeah no it's been a while a very long time yeah okay who is your hero or someone who provides daily inspiration this is probably quite cliche to say because I feel like a lot of people say their mum or dad but it's definitely my mum I mean we had a really uh, vulnerable conversation a couple of weeks ago actually me and mum and she described it really well she said mm. you have to you either sink or swim mm-hmm. basically 
and if you don't swim then it's over and mm. I just thought that was really profound for her to say that and it's a trait that I've kind of carried across in my life from seeing her just deal with things so well mm. um so yeah I would definitely say she's like my hero for sure yeah it's so funny you say it's a cliche because I was gonna say my dad (laughs) sorry mom if you're listening but it is my dad he's a paramedic on the helicopter he is a real life superhero and I feel like Mm. I'm always even in England I'm always bragging about my dad like I'll weave it into the convo even on first dates because it's just such an interesting job and it always impresses people they're like they're like what do you do I'm like oh I work in media yeah. I'm a project I'm a project manager actually. I'm a project, yeah, actually like do advertising. So, you know, it's it's like just as cool, but yeah. you know, anyway. Yeah, and then your dad's like flying around hanging off a cliff like, "We'll get you back, son. Don't worry, just hang on." <laughs> Literally, that accent is gorgeous. I feel like you become more Australian whenever we talk. So, you're going to become full Aussie by the end of this podcast. Literally, absolutely, and I love it. I'm here for it. I'm here for it too. <laughs> Who are your celebrity crushes? I love this question. Oh my God. I love this question too. I would say a vast amount of British actors is Ooh. my answer. Okay. So we're, talk- we're talking the Callum Turners, mm-hmm. the Jack O'Connells, oh. the Killian Murphys, even those <laughs> Irish, the yeah. James Nortons of the world. I mean, yeah. Jack O'Connell, I have seen full frontal naked in the yeah. West End. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, um, oh, it was spectacular. He was in a, he was in a cat on a hot tin roof with Sienna Miller. And, Amazing. Uh, I mean, he was incredible in it. I just rate everything that he's in. He's come such a long way from skins, but yeah, just any British actor, basically. You've missed Tom Hardy. Oh God, how could we miss Tom Hardy? Well, I don't know if I rate him as much as everyone else, you know. What? I thought you love him. Like I would take someone like, I don't know, Josh O'Connor over um, Tom Hardy. Maybe I just like the ones that aren't like majorly famous yet. Maybe the fame just like intimidates me too much. Maybe because you wouldn't want to live that famous life. Nah, I'm not about that life. Not about the LA life. <laughs> oh my God. Well, in that same breath, I'm more of a musician gal. So you can have the actors, I'll have the musicians. So I think Sam yes. Fender, Sam Fender is my ultimate crush. I used to say to my ex-boyfriend, is I was he? like, yeah, I was like, if Sam Fender comes along and says, Mads, I want you to be my girlfriend I'm gonna go and be his girlfriend he was just like I feel like that's achievable for you in some in some way so like I'm not okay with it yeah. <laughs> English musicians and me, we have a way of being drawn to each other, let me tell you. So you do not like it when I would say that. I love how, like, it's so far-fetched, but your ex was just like, I don't see it as far-fetched because I know that you would just go up to him and ask him. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. People give their boyfriend or girlfriends a hall pass, and it's usually like Katy Perry or, you know, yeah. someone completely out of reach. <laughs> so I'm like, it's just like this F-grade celebrity that, like, I probably could get with. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, poor Sam Fender. He's definitely not F grade. He's not F grade. I was just joking. I hope he listens to this and then decides he wants to go out with me. So that's my ultimate uh, goal, really. Oh, you've just called him F grade. I'm not quite sure, but <laughs> no, he's A grade to me, hon. <laughs> my next question is: Do you have a motto or a quote that you live by? Um. So, so my instincts to say you do you, hon. But I feel like that's like hilarious, and also. I'm not very good at living by that because I'm notoriously bad at being a yes man. Okay. Um, but do you know what? 
probably it would be, um, I mean, it's very wanky. Are you allowed to swear on this? Yeah, you can say fuck yeah. and shit. Okay. <laughs> it's probably a very wanky quote is what I was going to say. Is wanker swear? Is that even a swear? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Not even a swear word. It feels word. naughty, so I just wanted to check. <laughs> Maybe it's more sexual than, not that we're using it in a sexual way here. But. We've crossed a lot of lines on this podcast. I think I've <laughs> I've been blacklisted from a lot of potential sponsors, but we've still got, you know, we've got all the naughty sponsors yeah. out there. Using that word wanky, that's going to push you over the edge. They're going to yeah. ban you now. Explicit oh, content. Yeah. Um, but it is very wanky, but it's the quote, you are your home. And I really like it because it kind of says that, we're something good to live by because it means that you don't depend on anything else, whether that's a person, a place, a thing. Like you are your home is a complete concept, I think. And it just reminds me that home isn't a place, it's you. Yeah. And it's about that kind of bond that you have with yourself and you can cope with anything in any location because you are your home. Um, uh, yeah, I quite like that. That's amazing. And it's so fitting for this podcast with it all being about self-love and resilience. So I absolutely mm. love that. And I think as someone who is an expat and someone who lives abroad, it's so nice to hear that because you do feel homesick sometimes. And it's sort of like, if you can find that within yourself, then you're winning basically. Exactly. Winning at life. And our last question for Speed Date Round is, what is the best thing about being single? Yeah, God, I can't, I mean, I've been single for so long. It, I'm so adapted to it now. I think I think when you break up with someone, it takes so long to readjust to being single. Mm. So I feel like I'm really thriving with having adapted to it so well. And it being, it's really just my normal now. Yeah. Um, and I absolutely love that. And I think, you know, all the standard things like the freedom to do what you want and mm. um, not having any influence over the other person. But I also just love the stability that you feel yeah. um, over your emotions because you just take that layer out of being affected by that other person. That just completely goes away. Yeah. Also, I think just learning to really love your own company and be on your own, it, it gives yeah. you such a sense of freedom because it means you can go anywhere in the world and you don't have to depend on seeing other humans because you're so mm. uh, comfortable with your own self. And that's actually something that I think is quite rare to have, to be not just be okay on your own, but actually really enjoy it. Yeah. Oh, God, I can't wait till I get to that place in my life. <laughs> I think I'm only seven weeks out of a breakup, but I'm still like, mm. I know everyone says healing's not linear. You'll have your ups and downs, but mm. I feel like I was on an upward trajectory and lately I'm just like, oh, my God. Oh, I know. <laughs> It's so, it's so yeah. the way though, isn't it? It's like life just trolls you because you're like getting, <laughs> you're doing really well. And then it's like, oh, actually, I'm going to like sh shit on your parade today. And then you're like, right, I'm back to square one. It's like a game of snake. Literally, it's like a game of snakes and ladders and life is the snake and it just keeps throwing you off that ladder. Oh my God. That's going to be the quote that I put on socials. And also life just <laughs> trolls you is the funniest thing you've ever said. It does. Honestly, it just uh. trolls you all the time. It's just like someone's clearly up there just being like, I'm going to like mess up your life for fun. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's sort of like, oh, she's having a good day today. Let's troll her. <laughs> yeah. It's like those memes about anxiety. It's like, oh, I, I woke up feeling really good today. And then like, there's another version of yourself in the background and it's just like got a label that says anxiety approaching. It's, it's like, hello. Like, yeah. Knocking <laughs> on the door. Like, oh no. 
Oh, my God. Well, thank you so much for going through the speed date round. A lot of people find it uncomfortable. But um, up next is our story time round, which is where our guests tell a funny tale of theirs. And I wanted to throw to you to see what you were ready to regale to that audience (laughs) for us. Oh, God. This is so to set up, this is probably the most embarrassing thing that has ever happened to me. We love Um, that here. (laughs) And and do you know what? Some people that listen that probably know me probably know the story because it's one of the stories that you whip out at the pub when you've had a few (laughs) pints and you just do a bit of a comedy act. But so when I was a late teenager, I used to go to like drama school on the weekends. And you know the story, don't (laughs) you? And um, we used to, so it was like a summer camp for drama. And we used to, um, I don't know, I was about 14. And we used to play charades, basically. (laughs) So, you know, you'd be in the wings behind the curtain of the stage and you'd have a piece of paper and it would say like a character on it. Um, And so, you know, the audience would know what the scenario is on the stage. So there'd be, you know, say it's Little Red Riding Hood, for example, there would be the wolf, Little Red Riding Hood, the woodchopper. So everyone would have a different character. The audience would know the setup, but the characters would have to try and guess what the scenario is. <laughs> like the woodchopper would be miming, chopping wood, and they, they would be the clues. Just charades. So, That's the most yeah. long, the long-winded <laughs> way of explaining charades. Well, some people won't know what it is. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> some people might know what, not know what it is, and then the joke would not hit. But anyway, so so I had a piece of paper on it. Uh, a piece of paper sorry and um I don't know obviously you don't know any context and it just had heavy metal fan on it you know the people so other people unbeknownst to me had you know a piece of paper that said opera music on it or it said west end musical songs so mine said heavy metal fan so I went on stage (laughs) and basically decided that I thought it meant to be an industrial fan <laughs> and I started waving my arms in the air like like hovering them round and round and round and I cr- I crouch I squatted and crouched as low as I could and I just started going mm, <laughs> to like mimic the sound of an industrial fan and then I thought I looked at the audience and there was just complete blank faces so I thought maybe I have to start blowing air to mimic what a fan does so I'm like mm, <laughs> and still no one's getting it and then one by one people start to go it wasn't even laughter people just started to go oh my christ she's trying to be an actual fan a heavy metal fan and then it started to just people started to understand what was happening and then I looked behind me and there's someone being like like for opera and I looked to the other side and someone's like pretending to do like a musical number and I was like Oh my Christ, I was meant to be a fan of heavy metal fan music. And I'm just still there just going. And now to this day, the friends that I made at that, at that school, to this day, they will send me birthday cards and it'll be like to the heavy metal fan and it's just stuck and it's never gone and I will never live it down. I that literally love that story so much because it honestly oh. encompasses you as a person. Like so, so creative, so intelligent, but sometimes sometimes just misses the point. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, oh God. God. I love that so much. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. 
Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Boom. Um, thank you for sharing. And up next is our left on red question round. So it is aptly named left on red because being left on red by a boy that you like makes you question everything about your universe. It makes you question your surroundings, what's wrong with you, if you're pretty enough, if you're good enough, all these different things. And this week we are chatting about resilience, self-love and some of the worst and best advice that we have. So Mm. my first question is in regards to this is what is some of the worst advice you've ever received? Worst advice? I get, it's probably not advice. It's more, well, it's more things that I've picked up on in my early twenties through, you know, reading articles or books or listening to podcasts. And so it's not advice from friends or people, I guess. It's just advice that I've read and taken on to be Mm. advice, if that makes sense. I started having this belief that because in my early twenties, I was so unstable mentally Mm-hmm. I felt like I couldn't be in a relationship until I was strong enough myself and until I'd um, found that self-love and that self-worth. And I thought, I basically thought it was a destination that you would just get to. Mm-hmm. Like I'd get to a certain age and I'd suddenly feel like I, you know, loved myself and would never depend on someone else for happiness because I found such happiness on my own and mm. I'm finally ready to be in a relationship and it just does not work like that at all. Mm. Um, and also I think, although I've had past experiences where relationships haven't been the best thing for me at that time in my life and I have depended on that person and it's all gone tits up because I wasn't okay myself. 
I'm very aware now that that is just my experience Mm -hmm. and that actually that's not the truth. It's just something that happened. And, you know, there are so many use cases out there where people have had relationships and actually that has been the self-care that they needed. And that has been the, I don't want to say solution, but but that has been something that has helped them thrive as their own self. Like, you, mm. you know, you can definitely have a relationship and it be something really powerful. And I think that's advice that I guess is something that I picked up that is wrong, that there's this belief that you can't be with anyone until you're at this certain place in your life where you're comfortable with your own self. Like that is an ever evolving process. Like you probably Mm -hmm. will never get to a point where you're fully okay with yourself, you know? Mm. And I think it's so interesting what you said about self-love as an achievable goal or a destination. So I think it's, it's something that is more of a constant or a life's work where it's not something you're going to achieve or reach. Mm. And then it's suddenly like, Oh, I'm happy now. I'm ready. It's something that is, it takes constant work and it is more than face masks and smoothies. Like sometimes it's just doing what you need to do to survive mentally. Or Mm. if you're going through a challenging time, like grief or a breakup Mm. or a death or whatever it might be, it it could, it can just be, it can be small things like even getting out of bed and having a shower or it can be larger goal-focused things like CBT or which is cognitive mm. behavioral therapy or something like yeah. that. But, yeah, I think it, it's interesting you say that it's advice that you sort of teach yourself because meeting someone when you aren't ready, it isn't always a bad thing if you can't love yourself yet because, yeah, like we said, it's a journey, not a destination. So you you are mm. able to do that with another person if you feel like you're open to that. Mm, absolutely. And I think that's one of the biggest things I've learned is that um, – either something really traumatic happens or even if it doesn't and you're experiencing mental health issues or you know you're going through a journey of something I I guess the whole point is it's a journey and Mm. there's so many layers to everything and it's always evolving and it might it might kind of um, paint itself in different forms but it never ends Mm. and you always have to cope in your life with different things that are thrown at you and they might be based on something that happened and it's been unprocessed and it, and the actual feeling towards it comes later. Or it might mm. be that you're dealing with something at the time that is related to, you know, an event that has happened at the time. Mm-hmm. But like, I think the point is like, you know, when I was in early 20s, uh, you know, uni, post-uni, I was suffering really, really bad depression. I was very ill. Mm-hmm. And I used to think at that time, if I when I get past this depression, point of my life everything will be like rosy and Mm -hmm. perfect and I'll be super happy and I just have to get through this and that's it Mm -hmm. and it's just not like that at all I mean after that I I coped with that depression part of it but then I started to get really bad social anxiety Mm -hmm. um and that's something I've been struggling with for the past three or four years now and Mm -hmm. it's like there was a shift from depression to anxiety and issues manifest themselves in a different way and I guess it's just about coping with the fact that something something might always be with you some form of mental health or some form of change might always be with you it's about how you adapt and cope with that as a long-term thing yeah and I think a lot of people can relate to that with COVID just because people were sort of sitting through the pandemic and we're still sitting through the pandemic being like I'll be happy when this is over and Mm. my life will be good again when all of this is over and I can live my normal life but I think I'm feeling a sense at the moment that everything is going back to normal and we are going out and having fun and seeing our friends and I expected it to be this sort of amazing, you know, life-changing fireworks explosion, like 
life is now back to normal, but it's sort of mm. like maybe we romanticized our past lives and how good it was because we were stuck mm. in this pandemic and it's it's not it's not all it's cracked up to be. And I put this on Instagram and a lot of people reached out and said they felt a similar anti-climax with um, mm. lockdown easing. But so in terms of this advice and this belief that you can't love someone else before you've accomplished self-love, whatever that might mean. How Mm. did this warp your belief about love? Yeah, I mean, to re-emphasize, it's definitely not true, as in that's, Mm. it was my warped belief for a lot of years, but Mm -hmm. I I now, you know, it's not the truth. Like you can be Mm -hmm. in a relationship and do self-love at the same time. I totally believe they can coexist. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. I just, I think I just had this massive fear that if I was in a relationship, I would completely depend on that person because I was Mm. so struggling so much with different things that sometimes I think if you're in a really bad place, a relationship feels like a quite easy way out because you've Mm -hmm. just got that comfort, you've got that support, you've got that kind of crutch, I guess. And I didn't want to be in a relationship where I felt like it was a crutch. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be in a relationship where I felt like there was equal footing. Mm -hmm. And for so many years, I just didn't feel like I could be in a relationship where there was that because from my side, I was in such a vulnerable place Mm. and I didn't, I didn't want to, I wanted to be my own support, you know, and my own strength. I completely understand that. And I think there is a belief that if you work on yourself while you're in a relationship, and I definitely can relate to this with sobriety, I got sober when I was with my ex-boyfriend and I built a lot of who I was around the way he made me feel and my belief about myself in relation to what he respected and understood and loved ultimately. Mm. And I think I was so terrified when we broke up that all of that would fall apart and all the work I'd done on myself would, you know, poof up in smoke and I would, Mm. you know, be left with sort of a shell of a person who didn't know how to stay sober and didn't know how to respect herself and everything. But as like the weeks went on, I was terrified of relapsing and drinking again and stuff. But then it just sort Mm. of became clear that I had no desire to do that. And I was just really, Mm. really grateful for the work that I had put in with that person. And I, Mm. and I, it wasn't as much of a crutch as I thought. So I think Mm. it's about unlearning things, like things that you believe are true. So there's a quote by Mark Twain, which is, it ain't what you don't know that gets you into trouble. It's what you know for sure that just ain't so. It's sort of about questioning things that you 100% believe to be true, would never doubt it. And maybe, you know, unpicking that and like thinking about why you believe those things and what's led you to believe those things. And yeah, ultimately Mm. it can, it can help you with lots of different things in your life. Mm, Absolutely. And it's so interesting because, you know, I think getting into a relationship and love, is such a vulnerable area. You've really, you know, you've really got to open yourself up and be willing Mm. to get into that with someone. And I think for a while I hated that aspect that, you know, my own personality holds a lot of vulnerability. I'm a very open person. I'm Mm -hmm. very, very emotionally sensitive. Like I'm oversensitive Mm. and um, I'm a very compassionate person. But I used to hate that about myself because I Mm. felt like that was my downfall. Mm -hmm. I felt like that was why I had so many issues because I overthought everything. Mm. I got emotional over things that someone else might not be affected by. Um, and I just took everything on. Like I couldn't help mm. it. Everything, I, it was like I had no, it was like I had a door, but I couldn't lock it. And it would just all flood in all the mm-hmm. time. And I had to just, but now it's like, it's interesting you mentioned about learning and unlearning beliefs. And, you know, it takes years to 
not just be aware of a warped belief that you know mm. isn't true, but to physically, you know, actually unlearn it, like you say, like, because mm-hmm. you, you get to a point where you get that awareness, but it's what comes after it that's really, really powerful. And yeah. it's, it took me about a year to work out how I change it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of changing it is catching yourself. So, you know, post-awareness, what, what they say basically a lot of the time is that you do therapy, which, you know, is counseling and therapy delves into your past. So it tries to expose your feelings and unpack everything so that you can heal. Mm-hmm. So, you know, therapy is a form of talking therapy, but, um, or counseling, sorry, is a form of talking therapy. But I guess the whole point of it is that it gets you to a place of acceptance. Mm-hmm. I felt with counseling, you can't really go past that point of acceptance. You're kind of then stuck. Like, how do I change the way yeah. that I think and change the way that I behave? And that's why I started doing CBT, which mm-hmm. as you mentioned before is cognitive behavioral therapy. Mm. And it's also a type of talking therapy, but it's completely different to counseling because it basically looks at future-based techniques. So how can you change your behavior mm-hmm. to change the way you think and ultimately how you feel? And it gives you techniques mm-hmm. and it teaches you how to react to situations better and how to basically catch yourself. And it's based on very scientific theories and it's based more on fact. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's just interesting because what what you said about learning and unlearning, it, I think lots of people do get in a really tough position where they've done counseling and they're stuck. They're then stuck. Mm. So they're like, okay, I, it's actually worse than before because now I'm aware of it all. Yeah. And like I'm sitting here on the couch and I'm aware of it all, but like I don't have any practices or techniques in place to change that, you know? Yeah, that's really interesting. And what would you say in regards to unaddressed grief and self-love? So in regards to everything you've said about resilience and, you know, overcoming grief, what would you say in the vein of unaddressing that grief and sort of moving past things without therapy or without delving into the reasons why we feel the way we do? Well, I mean, for for context, because lots of people might not know, for, for, yeah. for context, I lost my dad when I was 10 to pancreatic cancer. Mm. So he was terminal for about a year, but I was 10. My younger brother was only seven. So I think my parents kind of, rightly so, um, tried to keep the traumatic element that he was terminal from us and try and keep everything as normal and happy as possible, mm-hmm. which I totally understand and respect. But he actually was terminal for a long time. Mm. And um, so he passed away in 2005. And it's actually odd because recently mum and I realised that we've actually spent, well, I've spent more time on this earth without him than with him, which is really bizarre. Mm. Um, But because, you you know, when when you lose someone like a parent, when you're a child, Mm. it's very, very different to losing someone when you're an adult and Children, essentially, what they do is they block things because Mm -hmm. they don't have any adult coping techniques to deal with it. So they block it. Mm. So you end up blocking not just the death and the trauma of that death, but all of the memories beforehand as well. Yeah. So I guess it was one of those things where it happened when I was 10, you know, 10 years on when I'm an adult, I didn't, when I was going through depression and all of these mental health horrors, I didn't realize it was grief mm. because I thought, well, that happened to me so long ago. How can this be grief? Because yeah. surely I would have grieved at the time. But actually, when you're a child, you don't really grieve properly. Um, mm. So actually, all this depression was unprocessed grief, which I now understand now. But it took me about three or four years to actually get that, you know? Yeah. And I think without, it's interesting you say, you know, 
how would you have dealt with it and how would you perceive grief without therapy and without all of these things? I can't speak for for that because I've only ever known a life with counseling and with therapy. Mm -hmm. I could not imagine going through any sort of grief without some help in terms of talking therapy or medication, unless you're literally a really, really strong person. I don't understand how you can get through it without any support. Mm -hmm. Um, And I guess it doesn't have to be things like therapy or medication. It can just be people around you. It can be friendship. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just, it's impossible to go through on your own. Yeah. You you can't. I I mean, I I really believe that you can't, you have to have some form of coping. Yeah. And I'm just so sorry you went through that. And I'm so proud that you have put in all of this work to sort of become so self-aware and be so resilient. And yeah, I just, I love you so much, mm. Cathers. I just, oh. I'm so grateful you've come on the podcast. Um, Thank you. In regards to dealing with grief, have you ever mm. compromised yourself in the name of love or jeopardized your mm. core beliefs and sort of had, you know, your inner self shaken as a result of trying to be be some someone for somebody else. Absolutely. I mean, I I was in a relationship a few years ago where the person had also lost their dad, mm. but they'd lost them as an adult, mm-hmm. and I'd obviously lost them as a child. So for them, it was completely fresh. For me, it was mm. still fresh in a way because I was dealing with it at the time. But you mm-hmm. know, it happened all these years ago, and I thought that that was this bond between us and. Finally, I've met someone who gets it. Mm. This is such a unique connection, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But actually, it was really detrimental because that person was going through absolute hell, couldn't Mm. be available for a relationship, and the whole relationship just broke down. So I completely compromised myself because I thought that grief could have been a bond. Yeah. But actually, it was just not the situation at all. And I actually ended up, you know, getting really ill Mm -hmm. because... I was trying to match my grief with his, with his grief. Yeah. I was trying to compare horrific, raw elements of the death of my dad yeah. with the death of his dad. Because his his I'm pretty sure his dad had cancer. I can't remember. But because mm. you try and compare to make them feel better. So you're like, I know how you feel. This I had a similar situation with my dad where, and it's like you then start accessing all these traumatic memories and mm. you then become in this pit of hell as well. And then you're in this relationship where both of you are grieving mm. for different people from different times of life, but you're just both depressed mm. and it's just horrendous. And it's sort of like you can't be there completely for somebody else because you're going through this grief. And I think mm. this is completely different to what we were speaking about in regards to self-love because grief is a is a process that is is quite different to self-love like you have to do things that are necessary to survive mentally but it's different Mm. than you know uncovering who you are and self like respecting yourself although they are really intertwined I think if both people in a relationship are going through their own separate grieving processes and trying to help each other it can be really challenging I think one of the most helpful things I found through grieving is Mm. the kind of different stages and the kind of scientific um, Mm. elements to it that you can kind of lean on a bit so there's this really amazing podcast actually that I listened to a couple of weeks ago by mm. Brené Brown. So, I mean, Brené Brown, if you haven't checked her out, I would really like encourage you to. She's a she's she's loads of things. She's a researcher, a writer, an author, mm-hmm. a podcaster, but she focuses on the realm of vulnerability and shame, and that's what a lot of her work is in. So, she's a researcher of life, but she focuses on those areas specifically and mm-hmm. she has a podcast called Unlocking Us, I think it's called. Okay. Um 
And she had this guy on called David Kessler. And David Kessler basically worked quite closely with Elizabeth Kubler-Ross and they came up with the five stages of grief that are renowned across the world and Mm -hmm. used as a structure to help cope. Mm -hmm. So for anyone that doesn't know, the five stages are um, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and then acceptance. Mm -hmm. And on this podcast, David basically talks about how, because Elizabeth was the person that brought uh, thought of these stages, but she, a few years ago, passed away. Mm -hmm. And in her last year or so of her life, her and David came up with the fact that they thought there should be a sixth stage okay. after acceptance because they felt that culturally we as a society, as a world have moved on where we seek a lot of purpose in things and we need to have some sort of meaning. Yeah. Um, and so they've now officially recognized a sixth stage. So it's not five stages of grief anymore. It's actually six mm. and the sixth stage is meaning. And it's all about finding the meaning in not just the person's death, but the person's life. Mm-hmm. Um, how incredible that you existed in the same time frame on this earth as that person, which is actually very rare that yeah. you would exist with them. And I think David Kessler, who pushed that sixth stage into being and being, you know, scientifically recognized around the world, he actually lost his son about four years ago from um, an accidental drug overdose. At, mm-hmm. I think he was twenty-one. Wow! And it's a re- it's a really great podcast if if you just want to learn about grief or learn about mm-hmm. how to cope better. But yeah, it's super interesting. And it's one of the things that helped me because, you know, it helps you know that there's a universal recognition of what you're going through. And mm-hmm. you don't go through those five stages in order necessarily. You don't go through them in a certain time frame. Mm. It just reminds you that like everyone's grief is different and everyone's feelings are valid essentially. Yeah, hundred percent. And I guess that can sort of, it can sort of relate to lots of different things as well. Like whether it is death or whether it is even something as simple as getting fired or going through a breakup, you know, mm. people grieve in different ways for different things. And Absolutely. when you, when you realize that those feelings are human and it is a universal experience, as you said, it is so much easier to cope with rather than feeling like you're going through something completely alone. Mm. I love that you've put this this podcast forward as sort of a solution focused tip. So I'm wondering if you have any other helpful tips for anyone that might be experiencing anything like this, what has really helped you on your journey and gotten you to a place where you can be resilient and move forward? Mm. I would say the main things that have, I say helped me, I'd probably phrase it as saved me really, Mm. um, is definitely therapy. So Mm -hmm. it's tough with therapy because the NHF's NHS has such a long waiting list mm-hmm. um, and it's hard because you know you might be needing something immediately and there's a six month waiting list and I totally understand how difficult it is these mm-hmm. days to get it what I would suggest is there's loads of private therapists that you can go to they're about 60 quid a session mm-hmm. um, and there's a whole directory online that I can link through to mm-hmm. that um, kind of gives you some help and you can also look up what they specialize in so say that you were um, sexually assaulted or raped and you wanted to get some therapy to do with that specific area uh, you can get a counselor that specifies in mm-hmm. that skill set essentially so you can go as granular as needing a therapist for a particular type of trauma that you've been through mm-hmm. same with uh, you probably find this with sobriety mads like mm. there are certain counselors that will f- have focused their whole career on that area yeah definitely so can lend themselves better so i say therapy i would say if you want to deal with past trauma do counseling if you want to deal with 
techniques and actual action points to put in place to change your behavior, I would do CBT. Mm-hmm. Medication. I was on medication for a while, a few years ago, and it helped me be stable when I couldn't be stable myself. So I mm-hmm. guess I don't regret being on it. You know, I've got some friends who are on medication and they swear by it and it's changed mm. their life and been incredible. I felt like I became a little bit absent when I was on it um, mm-hmm. and a bit lifeless. But I think when you're in such a horrible position of, you know, like potentially suicidal, Mm. I think sometimes they can be a really good idea to do for a temporary basis. Yeah. And you may not be able to actually address those feelings and, you know, do some of the work if you're in, you know, such a low place. So I think Mm. in some instances it can be really beneficial, but obviously need to caveat please speak to your GP about this. This is just based on personal experience. Yes, absolutely. A very good flag to do. I'd say as well, running and Mm -hmm. exercise um, for obvious, I mean, probably everyone knows obvious reasons. It releases dopamine and it releases all these hormones that are floating about, but they're not present until you activate them, i.e. do some exercise. Mm -hmm. I always find that running is the only thing that really, like I could go to the gym or do a home workout and it won't hit the same as if I go running outside. Mm -hmm. I'd also say very much mindfulness. So um, yoga and meditation really helped me listening to certain mindfulness podcasts. So Mm -hmm. I listen to a podcast called Wake Up Wind Down every morning um, by Niall Breslin. He's an Irish mental health advocate in the UK I journal every night. Mm -hmm. And also I think one of the main things is just not to put pressure on yourself. Yeah. And I have to catch myself every day, every day. It's a daily thing where I have to think, okay, am I pushing myself by doing this? Am Mm. I pushing my boundaries and and making myself ill? Like, am Mm -hmm. I going to have insomnia tonight because I've Mm. pushed myself too far in this sense or that sense? And, you know, having that self-compassion and kindness to yourself is really, really important. So catching your inner critic and being like, Like some people actually say that they see their critic as like an actual little person on their shoulder (laughs) and they name it. So like, Mm. I don't know, you might name it Bob and you might actually speak to that person and say, hello, Bob, thank (laughs) you. I know that I've burnt the toast again and I wasn't keeping an eye on it because I'm trying to take too much on. I know, Bob, thank (laughs) you for flagging it to me. But actually, I'm just going to put another two bits of toast in. All right, Bob, yeah, you go back to sleep now. They say this with sobriety as well. I think um, it's kind of like the addiction monster that comes out and it's like, oh, it's a nice day outside. You could really go for a little pint and you're sort of like, Mm. no, you get back in your box, Bob. Stop telling me that I want a beer when I don't. Yeah. Yeah. I really would, if, if I ever do that, I, I just want to name them Gary and then do an Aussie <laughs> accent like, come on, Gary, we know that you're playing around. <laughs> oh, God, I love that so much. <laughs> I think what you said about self-compassion and kindness is is such a good note to leave it on as well. I think overall self-love is more than, you know, having a smoothie or forcing yourself to go to the gym. It's just awareness mm. of how you're feeling, being in touch with that and doing what you need to do to get through. Like I think having compassion, if you want to stay in bed for an extra half an hour because you're not feeling up to the day, that's okay. Like be kind mm. to yourself. Don't beat yourself up. If you're feeling anxious about being at a party and everyone's drinking around you and you need to leave, like just be kind to yourself. Realize that that is obviously a normal feeling for someone who's going through sobriety and you can leave. Mm. Or if you're feeling like, you know, Father's Day is you know, making you feel a bit more depressed than normal or it's, it's something that you're really 
upset about or anxious about like it's it's something that Mm. you know you just have to recognize and be in touch with your feelings and just be kind to yourself and realize that you've come so far you know I think yeah self-compassion and kindness is is the main message of this podcast I would say oh well Cathers I have Hmm. absolutely loved having you on the podcast and I'm so proud of you and your resilience and it's been amazing of you to share your journey with us so thank you so much for joining us and I hope we can do another podcast together soon. Yes thank you as well and congratulations on the podcast I think it's absolutely incredible the guests that you've had on like Luke Ray Kelly that HIV episode was incredible and you're absolutely smashing it in both sobriety and the podcast so you should be proud of yourself. Thank you. Love Thank you so you much. Love you so much. <laughs> Bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Kat. Please let me know on my Instagram at madsworld.mp3. If you have any stories or thoughts of your own to share or on my website, it's madsworld.co. Love and elbow taps. Peace. Peace.